0: Julie Hyde and I believe you can't be a leader of others until you are a leader of self. It all starts with leading you. So if you are ready to be the best leader that you can be, you're in the right place. I'll be chatting to a diverse range of leaders who will spill the beans on their leadership, how they changed the game, insights into their mindset and how they built the courage and resilience to be a modern leader with impact. Let's get into it. Jacqueline Osborne is the Managing Director of Bank of America. She has over 15 years experience in data governance, client data management, change delivery and information security in the public and private sectors. Jacqueline's wellness and happiness are paramount importance to her and as part of her life journey, she's started a blog and recently launched a podcast with the same name, 52 Weeks of Me." And that is what we're going to chat more about today. So welcome, Jacqueline. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited just hearing you talk. I was like, who is she talking about? That sounds amazing. You are amazing. And I'm so excited to have this chat with you. And I'm so grateful for your time because I know it is late over in Connecticut. So I'm really grateful. I'm super fascinated about your 52 weeks of me journey. To start with, what was the catalyst for the idea?
1: It was actually, as you mentioned, I'm a managing director and I've been in financial services for pretty much my entire career. And that comes with many things. A lot of it is working hard and ultimately leaning to burnout. And I went to an executive coach and he asked me three questions that changed my life. And if it's okay, I'll just mention those questions because it's so paramount to what started my journey. And question number one, was what's all the negative internal dialogue in your head for which at that point, I didn't even know I had it. But once I wrote it down, it was a really long list, which was question number two, what does it have in common? But the answer was it all started with I. And question number three, and this was my aha moment, was who validated it? And the answer was nobody. That long list that started with I was this perception in my own head, and I was my own worst critic. I was creating all these negative thoughts. And writing it down and answering that question of who validated is really what started the blog. I went home that day, and I was like, I need to change this. If I can have these thoughts, I can control the thoughts and shift them. One of my guests calls it an itty-bitty shitty committee. And, you know, I wanted to silence the negative thoughts, and so I decided I was going to perform unpacked of self-care every week for 52 weeks. Hence, 52 weeks of me was boring, and as a way to hold me accountable, nothing more, I was going to blog, because I felt as if I blogged. There was some sense of accountability that I would release it every Thursday, which ironically is the same day we released the podcast, and it's just continued as that accountability factor. So, fast forward 52 weeks and it was the best thing ever but that was the catalyst was going to that coach answering those questions and really just having that internal aha moment that it was my thoughts and therefore I could control them
0: that was the catalyst for you starting so how did you get started because i love the fact that you committed to it on the blog and you put it out there which i think is an incredibly powerful way to keep yourself accountable how did you come up with the ideas for it? Because I know it's like there's a different thing that you focus on for 52 weeks. Well, it's so funny because that
1: negative internal dialogue doesn't go away immediately. Actually, when people ask me now, I use the word recovering. I'm a recovering workaholic. I'm a recovering burnout. I'm a recovering perfectionist. All those things are learned behaviors that I've built over years and years and probably since I was a child. That's a lot of time. And so the original reason for sharing that is when I started the blog, one of my original negative internal dialogues is I'll have nothing to write about. But the funny thing is I never planned it. I never planned it. I lived my life in the presence. And because I was more mindful about what was happening around me, I allowed the life to happen. And then I would write on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever I was presented with an opportunity That's what I wrote about. So it's hard to even answer the question because there was no script for someone who had lived so scriptive, again, being a perfectionist and a people-pleasing perfectionist, I was always trying to be perfect, which meant the perfect environment, the perfect script, the perfect everything. And with the blog, it was the exact opposite. I never wrote at a computer. I never wrote with complete silence. I never put it on a calendar. I wrote in my notepad, which I still do today. I wrote when I was traveling. I wrote when I was eating. I wrote when I was driving. Well, not me in the passenger seat. I wrote everywhere and anywhere. And the other thing I'll also say, because I do think this is extremely important, and if anyone gets power from this, the other thing I did is I didn't think about, because the other thing is I used to say to myself, I'm not a good writer. And I didn't think about the grammar. I didn't think about how I wrote it. I just wrote it. And that was super important because it that flow state of you're so much more effective when you just get it out and you're not allowing that, I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to write it well, stop you.
0: Yes, I love that. And I love your language around that too about being the recovering perfectionist, the recovering workaholic because that's being really kind to yourself as well because, I mean – your wife, your mom of three boys, varying in age, you're a fur mom to your dog as well. So, like, the juggle must be real. In many conversations that I have with women, they just don't believe they have time for themselves.
1: No, and it's funny you say that because one of the things I'll say, and you know, the answer is I started the blog, and the journey for more time for me. It was really that. It was a work-life shift. And I even created almost like it's, and it's on the blog and it's so rudimentary, but it created this like balance of where I spent my time, work, life, self, and myself was 5%. But the irony of all of this is I now say self-care plus because the definition of self-care was absolutely not a time management exercise. It was not around spending more time on me So yes, a spa day was great, which ironically was never a week of the blog. Yes, a shopping spree was great, which was a week of the blog. And yes, those things were great, but some of the best weeks were stop being a people pleaser, let it go. It's okay to not be okay. And the reason I share that is because time is what you create it to be, which is the earlier point about being present. We're all busy. Right? We all have a lot happening. And yes, I started today at 7 a.m. And it is now 9.22 p.m. And I did not stop. I did Now, I did work out, which is definitely another one of my own commitments. But I did not stop. But I chose how I spent my time. And I'm okay with the fact that I went that time because I'm enjoying everything I did. I'm enjoying this conversation with you. I love what I do at work. I love that I got to go to
0: my son's open house. All of these things are things that bring me joy. So over that year, what were the things that you maybe you know realized or how did it make you feel? Well, those are two totally different questions. Let's start with what did
1: I experience, which will lead to what did I feel. The experience was I started to touch on it earlier about the time management. What I didn't touch on is the mental mindset shift. So let's talk about that. So what I experienced was that, That first step was really creating my mindset that it was okay to make time for me. It was okay to make decisions about what I wanted to do. I used to live, as I said, on a hamster wheel, whether it was first in, first out, or just letting life happen. And the biggest aha moment from the journey was that life will happen. I have three kids and an extremely powerful job. There's always more work to be done in the home and in the office. But that I am the destiny of my own life and that I needed to have the mindset that it was okay to step off the wheel, step off the treadmill and allocate the time. And I think that was the biggest, biggest, you know, aha for me from the whole journey. The other thing is you have to plan. That allowing things to happen, in my mind, is never good. And if something is not going the way you want it to go, stop. Like what does it say is the law of catastrophizing is we we keep doing things and we make things worse with some cost, right? It's okay to stop even if you've started. If it's not working, stop doing it at any point. So those were two of the realizations that I've had, probably the biggest, but how did it make me feel? I mean, night and day. Like I went from being stressed, reactionary, and and let's call in on that reactionary because this to me is one of the key success criterias, is I was so short-fused. I would react to everything, like by a dime. And that often was my children because I'd come home at 8 p.m. I'd be tired. And them coming in to see me, they weren't trying to interrupt me. They were hungry and looking for something to eat. And so that feeling of just almost the weight off your shoulders, I mean, physically and mentally and physically because I did end up losing some weight, but that actual weight off your shoulders and just Being calm and in the moment, and that not getting everything you know, I was an emotional person to begin with, but just not taking everything so personal and not allowing it to bubble up inside. That to me was how I felt. Like, I don't think I can explain it better than that. It's just truly being okay. Like, I'm not to say I'm a Buddhist monk, trust me, I'm not but i definitely have a much bigger sense of everything happens for a reason and it's okay
0: that is so empowering because like you say you were quite reactionary which i find a lot of people have become particularly over here since covid times a lot of people have been through you know very harsh lockdowns particularly where i live in victoria in Australia and it has really messed with people's mental health and also their mindset and they're just, people are quite angry but not understanding what they're angry about. So what I'm hearing there from you is this has enabled you to become a really strong leader of self in the first instance that then enables you to be a great leader and role model to others because, I mean, the biggest role model we play is in the home, I think, you know, with with your children because you're growing the future generation. And then, of course, you're leading a huge team of people as well.
1: Yeah, I am a big believer of practice when I preach and I always have been. But what I will say is, you know, I used to be known for the first one in, last one out. I made my career By working hard. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very good at what I do, but I made my career by working hard. And that is honestly how I excelled so quickly, delivering, working hard. I used to joke with my brother, who has a photographic memory, that he would be studying with his eyes closed and the book on his head. Whereas I was the one who was up studying hours and hours and hours. And again, my perfectionism started when I was a child. I was auditorious in high school and in college, like a straight A student, but it was hard work. I have some form of dyslexia. I'm not gifted as he is. Like I got everything through hard work and studying. And that is okay. You know, like now I'm able to say that I'm making smart choices so that my employees feel comfortable making smart choices. And we are a work hard, play hard, actually. I just released an episode of my own podcast that I was listening to today, and she said something about episodic work overwork versus chronic overwork. And I think that's so powerful because I'm definitely not chronically overworked where I was two years ago. Like, there are periods of episodic overwork. Don't get me wrong. Like, if work needs to be done... I will pull it in, but it's episodic and I can come back. So that's where that work hard, play hard comes in. And again, back to the practice what you preach, I absolutely demonstrate to my employees that it's okay to leave. Actually today, I went out to get my son his flu shot and that's okay. And I'm very transparent that I have children, whereas in the early days of my career, I don't even think my colleagues knew I had children. Right. Now I have a mouse fan with their pictures on it. I'll put in my calendar, you know, XYZ's visit, because we need to be transparent and we are human. And I think that is one of the silver lines of COVID with being at home and the kids walking in is now it's like, you know, when you were you were living at work, no pun intended, but like you were bringing work into the home. And I hope that change stays because that is so powerful Is we are a whole person and we need to demonstrate that.
0: 100%. And I think that's become totally evident now, particularly in the workplace, we're not leading a work person, and then the person goes home and bees, you know, the, the home person. We're leading the whole person now, as you said. And we've really got to adapt to that and understand, as you say, we are leading humans. So important. And what you just said there is, is so critical for people to understand about yes, you can go revert back to working really hard when you need to, but it's coming back to that plan, that ideal plan for how you want to live your life and how you want to operate. And I think that's critical because we can go off path way too easily.
1: Actually, speaking about going off path, and I think this is a key step that I actually blogged about it. So I finished the blog, I wasn't writing them, and then I had an episode, an issue at work that just mentally got to me. And I started to squander and I started to see some of my old patterns returning. And it was a good few days and even weeks, if I'm being honest, but I, I recognized it. And I ultimately blogged about it that, I forget what the week of the blog was called, but it was like, it's okay to make a mistake type of thing, was that I acknowledged that the tendencies were coming back and came back to it. Because again, I said it earlier, but we are all human. You know, we are going to have those moments, but whether it's one day, two days, three days, a month, just come back, give yourself grace, and it's totally okay.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think the key there is having that self awareness, which you have now because you give yourself the space to enable that to happen. So, One of my biggest questions before we've started chatting, and I think you've already answered that question, is you say that this is a huge part of your transformation to being the best version of you. So my question was, have you kept it up? Which it sounds like you have. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I'll just give some quantitative metrics or indicators of that, if if, if this is at all helpful. But as an example, I went years, years without working out. And now in the past two years, I can count on one hand, maybe two, but I think one hand in two years that I have not worked out. Wow. So that is just part of my morning routine. I do it and I do it before I look at the email because then it labels you to get sucked in. So that absolutely is one of them. Another one is that I put my kids to sleep at least five, if not seven days a week. I'm not going to tell you it's always seven. I didn't actually do it today because of open house, but I do try to put all three of my kids to sleep and I stick by that. You know, that is something that's fundamentally changed. So those are two qualitative things. And then just a few more quantitative things is that how I feel. I'm watching my breathing. I'm watching my reactions. I used to get all red and flustered. And again, are they happening? Sure, but minimally. And I think that's so important. And then the other one that we didn't talk about is but how I make decisions. I'm making decisions now for that whole wholesale, for that bigger picture, that new Jacqueline, rather than the picture around more money, more pay, more title. You know, I had been offered roles before that were more money. and part of my decision is not just, yes, it's more money, let's go, but actually is, is this best for me as a whole self? And I think that's a good indication that I've kept it up.
0: That question, is this best for my whole self? Yeah, that can be life-changing for people, I think. I used to say there was three components to any job and used to.
1: So component number one is what you're paid. Component number two is what your title is and component number 3 is what you do the content i now say there's four components to the job same 3 and number 4 is your overall well-being mm-hmm. and that's that whole self because i think we often make decisions for one two of those things unfortunately title and pay and i would say well-being and content are at least 50% of the equation if not more you can get paid a boatload of money, or you can have the best title in the world, but if you don't love what you do and you're not happy in your well-being, it doesn't matter how much they're paying you.
0: Yeah, 100%. Because money doesn't bring happiness, does it?
1: Oh, it does not. I was just talking about Dr. Lori Santos and the science of well-being, which is, of course, at, at Yale in her podcast, Happiness Lab. She talks about just that. Money does not buy happiness at all you know, and even losing weight does it by happiness. You know, happiness really comes from inside and that presence and that feeling of being
0: happy. Absolutely, 100% agree. My gosh, I could talk to you for a long time, Jacqueline. It's just been such a great chat, but I, I would love if you could share what you would advise to people. If they're thinking about committing to doing something similar, so what would you say to them?
1: Number one, consistency is key. I know it with my own diet. Uh, as much as I work out, my diet may not be as consistent, but consistency is key. They do say it takes seven days to build a habit. So the first thing I would say is commit to that seven days. Like, And that seven days might be seven weeks, whenever it might be. But consistency is key. Don't give up after a day or two days, because it really takes, it's like those type A and type B activities. They say like working out at 4 a.m. is a type A activity. You don't think you want it. You hit the snooze button, you go back to sleep. But when you get up at 4 a.m. for, and I don't work at a 4 a.m., but when you get up at 4 a.m. for a week, that 7th day you will feel better you will be better and you will get up so that is my number one advice if you are going to commit to something just commit to it and give yourself that period to transition into it number one and number two is what i said earlier but accountability you know whether that's an accountability partner and there's a person you can rely on whether it is a blog whether it's a journaling you know really create that that form of accountability and then number three, we talked about it a lot, so I apologize for repeating it, but I just think for this question, it is so important. But it's okay to make mistakes and give yourself grace, you know? So consistency, accountability, and self-love, because those are really the three things that
0: will keep you going. Totally agree. Jacqueline, I have loved this chat and I think this is going to be incredibly empowering and inspiring to many people who will listen to this. So I'm very, very grateful to you for sharing your journey with us and for making the time and for making a difference to so many. So, thank you. Oh, thank
1: you. And for those of you that didn't know, Julia came on my podcast too. So definitely appreciate the give and take. This was a two-way street. So ditto went right back at you. Thank
0: you, Jacqueline.